Hey, Lisa. Checking to see if you can hear me. Hello. Is my mic coming in all right? Not echoey? Yeah, try again. I think it sounded good. Uh, check, check. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thanks. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Commissioner Octagol. How are you? Okay, how are you? Good. Your sound sounds good. Awesome. Glad to hear that because I was testing oh. early. Uh-oh. I take it back. It is a little odd. It's I can hear you, but it's sort of echoey a little bit. Oh dear. That might just be our house. Okay. <laughs> I if I have to, I could call on my phone, I guess. But I'm not. I usually do. I'm yeah, I'm not brilliantly set up for that, to tell you the truth. Mm. Mm. Um is it is it too wonky? No, it's fine. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Well, thank Hi, you. Commissioner Johnson. Sure thing. Can we uh, do a sound check for you? Sure. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's fine. You can just call me Jeff. I know. I, when you when people when <laughs> people you. call me that, that reminds me when I was in school and I was in trouble with my teachers. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Gail Payne told me that she doesn't even know people's first names. That's yeah. her way of remembering to use the right no, <laughs> title it. during the meetings. No, I get it. <laughs> so I get I've it. been I... trying to do that. No, that's but, fine. Um... I mean, if that makes it easier <laughs> for you, that that's cool. <laughs> I think I can. I think I can switch. I'll be able to yeah, that's fine. <laughs> All right, we'll start again. All right, let's see here. Got anything ready? I've got all my materials. Hey, Lisa, I do have a question. If this meeting um, ever, I would imagine that once upon a time, this meeting was in person. And mm -hmm. in 23 or 24, if we ever get back to, to doing that, where would this meeting be in person? Would it be somewhere at City Hall or where, where would yeah, it be? Yeah, it would be in council chambers. Oh, it would be. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Hi, Commissioner Johnson. Nice to see you again. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. Hello, how are you? All right. How are you? Good, good. Hi, Commissioner Noctigal. Hi, Rochelle. 
Hello, Commissioner Colstrand. Can you do a sound check for us? Sure. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Souls. You're muted. Yeah, hold on one second. I forgot my um it was on a PS background there. Yes. Represent. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. It was on a, I was on a panel with seventh graders this morning for career day. It was it was really, really fantastic. Yeah. And so they didn't want this luxurious yeah. background. <laughs> <laughs> my dark <great>. bedroom <laughs> um yeah. let's see it's 6 29 do we check everyone's audio and we're good to go vice chair ewan can we do a sound check hey can you hear me okay that sounds great great thanks Hey, Chair Souls. Uh, just want to give you a heads up. Right now, we had someone working in the cable studio earlier today. Uh, it doesn't look like our timer function is working, uh, so it won't be able to be displayed for the public, but we're going to have a, a timer in the background over here going, and we can let okay. you know when the three minutes is up. Okay. And do we have quorum? One, two, three, four, five. Did we have anyone decline that we're not expecting, Lisa? No, just uh, uh, Commissioner Whitesey was an uncertain. Okay. Can we get started with five of us or do we need to wait? Uh, I think it's a quorum, isn't it? <clears throat> Yeah, I think we're all right. I'd say yes. Hi, Rochelle. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Chancel. <laughs> yeah, I think at five out of seven is quorum. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Artie, are we ready? Uh, stand by one second. All right, you guys are live. All right. Good evening. This is the City of Alameda Transportation Commission holding a special meeting on today, October 20th. And we're going to start by um, with reading the government code that allows us to continue doing virtual meetings. So Lisa, if you don't mind. 
Certainly. Pursuant, uh, I'm Lisa Foster, Senior Transportation Coordinator with the City of Alameda. Pursuant to Assembly Bill 361, codified as Government Code Section 54953, Transportation Commissioners can attend the meeting via teleconference. The City allows public participation via Zoom. Wonderful, thank you. And now we'll go ahead and go into um, Agenda Item 1, Roll Call. Um, Commissioner Johnson. Um, present. <laughs> Commissioner Colstrand. Here. Commissioner Natsigal. Here. Chair Souls. Here. Commissioner Susanthira. Here. Commissioner Whitesey. He's not here. And Vice Chair Yuan. Here. Thank you. Um, under agenda um, item two, agenda changes, I wanted to propose one um, for consideration by my fellow commissioners. Um, if you recall at the last meeting, we had some feedback on the streets classification. At the time, we were planning to put that into a subcommittee meeting to finish that out before the item came back for action. We didn't know if that meeting was going to be able to be held because we were running into the holiday schedules and other things, and these are on a timeline. And so we were um, entertaining the idea of putting it out in this meeting because staff did have things to respond to only at the last meeting. Um, our planners and our consultants that have been helping with this effort weren't present. So staff wanted to be able to provide some feedback there. Now that we have the subcommittee meeting scheduled, and I think that the content of the subcommittee meeting, as well as what we would dis be discussing here, are similar. I'm proposing a motion to um, nix this item from the agenda this evening, have it come back to the subcommittee as it is scheduled and on the books officially now, and then have it come back to the full commission for action. So I have that's my motion on the table. I'm open to discussion or any kind of concerns or a second. Commissioner Colstrand. I would second that. I was surprised to see it on the agenda. Um, I think it's really critical to pull these two items together. And, um, you know, I, I think we need to have a really rigorous discussion about that um, because that those are gonna be the most challenging efforts in finally pulling these two documents together is figuring out how they fit nicely together and what the city priorities are. So um, I think we need a more detailed discussion to kind of formulate, uh, help formulate the position of the commission. So I would be in favor of that. And I uh, second the resolution or the amendment or motion, excuse me. That's fine, it's fine. Whatever it's okay. it is. No, it's okay. So we have a motion on the table, a seconded to pull the agenda item number 6B um, from the agenda this evening and put that back in this committee as planned. Are there any other comments before I take a vote? Commissioner Suthanthira. I think that's an appropriate move, um, you know, having not had any um, additional input or any work done after our last um, uh, commission meeting. Um, so I would uh, was vote in favor. Okay. 
All right, let's let's do a vote and get a show of hands if you're in favor of pulling this from the agenda under item two, 6B goes away. All right, the motion passes unanimously. So if we could just get that recorded, Lisa, we can close that agenda item and go on to staff communications under agenda item three for this evening. Thank you all for uh, entertaining that. Well, thank you. I'll give an update. Um, the Clement Avenue Tilden Way project released draft concepts and held its second round of outreach earlier this month, but the survey is still open for anybody who wants to weigh in on that. The Lincoln Avenue Marshall Way and Pacific Avenue Improvements Project is holding its second round of outreach to review draft concepts uh, later this month. We have a virtual workshop coming up on Tuesday, October 25th at 6.30 and an in-person open house on Thursday, October 27th at 11. Um, Mastic Senior Center, we have a couple of events coming up. The Transportation 101, 101 is um, November 29th and Hop on the Bus Trips coming up on October 25th and November 15th. Link 21, which is the long-term BART and Capital Corridor Planning Project, has an Oakland East Bay virtual public meeting on Wednesday, October 26th at 530. Uh, for construction, you might be seeing some machines out on the streets working on our pavement resurfacing for the city. That's resurfacing and safety enhancements that's going on right now. And Caltrans is still working on adding their flashing beacons and crosswalk improvements at six intersections along California Highway 61, with completion expected soon. They are also, um, as I've announced in the past, begun during, doing early construction work on their Encinal Avenue project, uh, though the pavement resurfacing and restriping is aimed for next year. Um, Wanted to let you all know that uh, the City Council on October 4th approved concepts for Grand Street between Shoreline and Encinal that included a two-way cycle track between Shoreline and Otis, which was different than what you all reviewed. That's in front of Wood School. And then the, but they also removed the protected bike lanes between Otis and Encinal. However, on November 1st, the City Council will consider new information regarding the concept of chicanes for that section between Otis and Encinal and authorize and consider authorizing staff to proceed with construction documents. And um, for everything that I just listed, there are URLs in the agenda item for people to have more information. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, moving on to agenda item four, announcements. First, and so if there's any announcements, and then I'll take any public comment. Commissioner Colstrand. I just raise a question. Um, I think the Encinal project moved through the commission before I joined it. And um, if not tonight, I'd, I'd just like a very brief explanation of what's involved in that project. Uh, whether it's, uh, is it a road diet for the state highway or um, what's involved in that project? Okay. It is, it is a road diet, um, you know, four to three with a center, two way center turn lane and, uh, and bike lanes, and it has crossing improvements and of course resurfacing. 
Um, there are other details I'm not mentioning that I could get more information to you. And of course it is a Caltrans project. I think there were some schematics that were particularly helpful in that staff presentation, if I'm remembering the right one. Find that. Okay. Um, any other announcements? Um, I just have one that we had. We don't usually have this as a special meeting, so we don't usually get to say this, but the, um, the walk and roll to school day was this month. And it had, I don't know if it was just me or if it's just I'm used to, I'm not used to because of coming back from the pandemic, but we had a really, really good turnout. I saw a lot of families on scooters and bikes and walking and just a lot of really energetic kids. And it was also a great promotion of our Safe Routes to School program um, that we've been working on collaboratively with some of the um, bicycling organizations. And so I just thought that was if you didn't if you didn't notice or you weren't out that day or don't have a kid in school it was uh, I thought a really a really great great year for it so props to all the people that put that together and if you're a parent that um, uses an active method to get to school thank you very much um, let's see if there's any public comment uh, looks like Commissioner Susan Thier you have your hand up Maybe I just you. wanted to add on to your comment on um... Uh, bike to school day. Uh, I was there at Bay Farm School and um, it was a good turnout, very exciting. And, uh, you know, the community and the kids, um, yeah, they were pretty excited. And I, we could see, I don't know how it was uh, prior to pandemic, uh, you know, in terms of the numbers, but I was a parent there in the school. I could see still um, it was, uh, you know, good turnout. Yeah. Thank you for that. Okay, I don't see any other hands up, but let me just ask for a quick second if we have any. I oh, know wait, oh, we do have. Um, I see one public comment. I'm going to go ahead and take um, Jim Stralo, and we don't have a timer that will show, but we'll let you know when your three minutes is is up. I believe, verbally. So I'm sorry if I have to interrupt you. Thank you. Uh, I realized that uh, the comments that I made about Sherman Street were at a city council meeting and not a, a transportation commission meeting. So I wanted to make sure the transportation commission heard my comments. And I see the clock now um, that westbound uh, traffic along uh, Clement has a dedicated bike lane, but it becomes a sidewalk at Sherman Street uh, and it becomes narrow on that uh, sidewalk with a three inch drop off on both sides of the sidewalk. However, I actually prefer that sidewalk instead of the hard to get to westbound bike lane that's on Atlantic because of how Sherman Street vehicles when northbound vehicles uh, have to make that left-hand turn onto Atlantic that they, because of the weird configuration of that uh, intersection that the vehicles tend to wanna you know, turn right into that bike lane. So it's just a weird configuration, but to compound it, the eastbound Atlantic Avenue traffic making a right turn onto Sherman have to navigate around a difficult to see piece of uh, cement that uh, some cars drive over it or drive around it. Uh, I just uh, don't understand it. It seems that there's a reason for it, but uh, it, it, it's just ill-conceived. I also wanted to point out two other things. I was on my bicycle at Buena Vista Avenue, waiting at Park Street at noontime. 
and I had to wait one minute for the countdown clock uh, on uh, Park Street before I could cross. Right there, Buena Vista is a very narrow street, and normally the countdown clock is about nine to ten seconds. I would hate to see an AC transit bus going either direction on Buena Vista uh, would have to wait that full minute around noontime. The last thing I want to mention is that an intersection that might deserve a roundabout, you're hearing this from me, or a traffic circle is at the intersection of Pacific at Central Main Street. Due to the traffic and long waits of signals, a traffic circle might actually help uh, the traffic handle its own priority of who goes next. There are closed streets uh, that force people onto a Pacific or that's a, you know, there's, there's lots of uh, uh, peak times when there's a lot of vehicles going through that traffic and the timed signal at that intersection is, you know, doesn't do, uh, doesn't uh, do just cause for uh, the people waiting to, to cross from all four different directions. It's a very heavily used intersection at times. And I could see the, that having a roundabout or traffic circle. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have any other public comments? No one else is raising their hand at this time. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, we do not have anything on the consent calendar as this is a special meeting. So we don't have any minutes to approve. So I'm going to open and promptly close agenda item five and move on to agenda item six, the regular agenda 6A. I believe we have a presentation. So I'll turn it over to staff. Rochelle, I'm looking in your direction. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Good evening, Chair Souls and Commissioners. I just realized I was not. LinkedIn also with my other device here. Apologies. No worries. All right, so I can share my screen now. Okay. All right, I think we're all good. All right. Well, um, again, good evening to your souls and commissioners. I'm Rochelle Wheeler, Senior Transportation Coordinator with the City of Alameda. And I'm very pleased to say that on October 3rd, we released our draft active transportation plan. And tonight we're here to hear your comments and input on it. Um, just a reminder, this is not an action item tonight. My co-presenter tonight is Michael Hintz from Tool Design, which is a nationally recognized bicycle pedestrian um, planning and engineering consulting firm that worked with us to develop this plan. Um, tonight, uh, we'll refresh you on the history and foundations of this plan, describe what's in the plan, including the eight-year um, action plan or implementation plan, um, and then we'll be available for questions and to hear your input and input from the public. So I do wanna um, take a moment just to um, define some terms and kind of lay some groundwork. Uh, active transportation is a less commonly used term. Um, so I just wanna remind everybody that when we use that, we're referring to all active modes of transportation, including walking and biking, as well as uh, using wheelchairs and mobility scooters. Um, also using push and electric scooters, electric bikes, skateboards, uh, bike share and more. 
Um, and Alameda, and this plan is updating and combining our existing but very old pedestrian master plan and bike plan. So the draft plan before you is three years old and, uh, or I'm sorry, <laughs> it's not three, draft plan before you is three years and two public engagement phases in the making. We kicked off this plan, as some of you will remember, in 2019 with extensive community engagement and evaluation of existing conditions to find out what the community wants and feels they need. Then we developed draft recommendations for vision and goals the bike and pedestrian networks, programs, and street concepts. And we solicit, solicited input on this in mid-2020 during the first summer of the pandemic. Um, and now we're in 2022 with the release of the plan. And I wanna remind the, you all that the Transportation Commission, while we've been going to a lot of commissions for input, is the lead city commission for this plan and has had five presentations to date on this plan with today being the sixth one. And the goal at this time is to bring the plan to the city council to consider for adoption in December. This active transportation plan is really an implementation plan in that it implements existing adopted city plans and policies. And these on the screen are the three main ones. The plan is designed to implement the specific and clear safety, greenhouse gas reduction, and multimodal goals and actions found in these plans, including in the 2021 general plan, which has over 170 policies and actions related to significantly improving active transportation, and the climate action and resiliency plan, also called the CARP, and the Vision Zero Action Plan. The CARP goal, um, the Main goal is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions to 50% below 2005 levels by 2030. And the general plan um, complements this by saying that to achieve this, Alameda must give residents convenient and safe climate-friendly transportation choices and alternatives to the single occupant vehicle. Despite Alameda having an extensive bikeway and sidewalk network, most residents rely on cars for their trips. And you can see that number is 70%. This um, slide on mode share has been updated and will be updated in the next plan. It's slightly different from the version in the plan, which was not correct. However, um, as you can see on the left, the majority of trips are less than three miles and could be accomplished using active modes. To meet the emission reduction goals, residents um, will need to switch some of their trips to active modes, um, obviously where possible. The vision of the Vision Zero Action Plan is to eliminate traffic deaths and serious injuries by 2035. And we know that pedestrians and bicyclists, while they only make up a small percentage of Alameda's commute mode share or even all trip shares are disproportionately affected by severe crashes in Alameda at 62% of all crashes. So the projects and the programs in this active transportation plan are designed to really contribute towards the city meeting um, the goals that I've just described and the other goals in these plans. And I'm gonna pass it now on to Michael. Great, thanks Rochelle. So I uh, wanna just talk about some of the, the analysis that went into this plan. As you know from previous presentations given to this commission, um, quite a bit of analysis was done and it is safe to say it's a very data-driven plan. Uh, just to recap, uh, 
the plan entailed a statistically significant community survey that had over a thousand responses. Uh, from that survey, we gathered that 70% of residents walk uh, and almost 40% ride a bike at least a few times a month. And then over half of residents agree that they would drive less if biking and walking were, were safer. And over 80% of city residents think Almeida should do more to make it safer to walk across busy streets. And 70% um, think that um, should do the city should do more to make it safer for people to bicycle. So um, compelling, compelling findings from that survey. And we coupled that with um, a variety of other uh, data analyses, including a bicycle level of stress analysis, a pedestrian level of uh, traffic analysis that was done on all intersections in Alameda. Uh, we identified uh, in the Vision Zero effort, high injury corridors, and that, that those were applied to the active transportation plan analysis, as well as a trip potential um, and network prioritization analysis. Next slide. Lots of, lots of community engagement over the past three years uh, with two big outreach efforts as, as um, Rochelle showed in the schedule and now we're in our third. Um, and we have, the city has held over 45 public events, meetings with local organizations and board and, uh, board and commission meetings. And again, from this engagement, um, we resoundingly heard that people want to walk and bike more and uh, want to have their kids safely walk and bike to school. Safety is really a top priority. Speeding is a concern. And that much of the existing bicycle network does not feel comfortable for, for most bicyclists. That is what we have heard from, from the community. Next slide. At the outset of the project, way back in 2019, we conducted an analysis of existing conditions and engaged the community on what, what they want to see as the biggest barriers and needs, um, what they see as the biggest barriers and needs uh, for walking and bicycling. I'm not going to read all of this to you, but um, again, you know, ensuring that busy streets don't create barriers to bicycling and walking. Um, Improving north-south bikeway connectivity was, was really identified just from our existing conditions analysis. Obviously improving crossings um, off uh, to and from the island uh, islands and upgrading existing facilities and adding new facilities that are low stress. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. Next slide. So we have uh, the plan, it's been out for public review, uh, consists of, of eight chapters and gonna briefly walk you through some of the, um, the key pieces of, of the plan now. Next slide. I'm not gonna read the vision, but uh, just wanna mention that um, this vision was developed uh, with extensive public input and, um, and input from this commission as well. Um, Using that input, we some of the language was, was tweaked, and importantly, uh, transit was was added as as a key piece of of the vision. Uh, just the idea of providing comfortable walk, bike, and roll access to transit. The goals put a finer point on how the vision will be achieved and provide the the structure for the plan and its recommendations. And like the vision, these were developed with community input. Um, 
they evolved a bit through through the process. And I think one one thing to note is we heard uh, that the equity goal uh, needed needed some tweaking, and that was uh, that was back in 2020 when we presented the draft recommendations. And so that goal was was modified. But these again provide the structure for the plan. Next slide. The plan um, then goes into designing for, for pedestrians. And Almeda has a well-developed pedestrian network in that just about every street has sidewalks and other pedestrian infrastructure, but there's definitely a lot of room for improvement in terms of safety and comfort. So the plan puts forth, um, really focuses on enhancing the existing network through a three-step process. And this process, um, involves uh, looking up the, the pedestrian street type, which I'm gonna get into in just a bit, identifying the appropriate treatments for those streets, and then uh, developing projects to improve safety and comfort. Um, and that's also entails public, public input through the design and engineering phases. So I'll talk about the street types that were established. Um, so, Pedestrian facilities are essential on every street in Almeda, no doubt about that. And the types of, of corridor and intersection design treatments needed depend in part on how the street is, is used or in, um, anticipated to be used. And so the plan identifies five pedestrian street types that respond both to the function of the street and the land use context. The plan contains a, a table that provides the street type definition typical current conditions uh, for those streets, design goals, uh, what is that street really trying to accomplish from a pedestrian point of view, and then provide some example streets uh, with photos. Different but related, the general plan street classifications um, is work that's, that's underway and you'll, you'll hear about that more obviously on, on your next agenda item. And we can, happy to answer any questions as, as to how those two relate. Next slide. The plan um, has a design matrix, which indicates which design treatments are appropriate or desired for each street type, along with a feasibility rating and whether or not the treatment is a FHWA, that's Federal Highway Administration proven countermeasure. So that, um, that is the, the extent of the pedestrian piece. Uh, there's actually a lot in there in that chapter, but I'm now gonna shift over to um, the planning element of the plan. So the, the plan is really centered around planning for all, all, all types of bicyclists. And the recommendations are focused on accommodating bicyclists of all ages, um, including children, seniors, women, people with disabilities, et cetera. Uh, to accomplish this, the focus is on uh, providing low stress facilities, bikeways that are either physically separated from traffic or exist on low speed, low volume streets, as well as uh, Almeida's extensive and growing trail network. As the graphic shows, there's a spectrum of comfort for, for current and potential bicyclists. And the, the survey that uh, we mentioned earlier was, was conducted to see where Almedians fit into the spectrum. So these numbers that you see on here are numbers from that survey. And as you can see, most Almedians have an interest in biking, but very few are, are highly confident. So that 46% that that block um, is really, really the target in terms of getting more people um, 
biking for all types of trips. And this is really an essential, um, essential for meeting the city's transportation, uh, climate transportation goals. Um, these are the bikeway types proposed in the plan. Most exist in Alameda already, um, except uh, neighborhood greenways, which are new to Alameda, uh, a new concept, and uh, were referred to earlier in the in the planning stages as as bicycle boulevards. And I'll talk more about that in just a bit. Um, as we heard from from the public, more people would ride um, a bike if if facilities were safer. So. Uh, the top row highlights the three types of, of low stress facilities and the majority of facilities in the bicycle vision network and the low stress network, which we'll show you in just a moment, um, are these types of facilities. Uh, so going from half of, of the network currently to uh, nearly three quarters of the network will be low stress facilities. So neighborhood greenways uh, are streets des designated and designed to give priority to people walking and bicycling while allowing bicyclists and motorists to comfortably and safely share the road. So uh, built into neighborhood greenways as traffic calming, such as speed humps, uh, raised crossings, traffic circles. Um, and in some cases where, where volumes might be higher than the desired threshold, uh, that is vehicle volumes, there may also be some diversion or, or other strategies like uh, right out, right in only to discourage through traffic and reduce those volumes. And probably most critical to neighborhood greenways is are the, the crossings of busy arterial streets and making sure that those are, are safe and comfortable for the, uh, the users that are expected on these facilities. Next slide. Uh, so this map, uh, which is not currently in the plan, but will be um, put into the, the final version of the plan, is a, a map of just the low stress facilities. Um, an effort was made to, to make sure that there was a, a connected network of these low stress facilities. And um, as you can see, it really is, is a grid. And this network connects people to parks and open spaces, and uh, major commercial districts are also a key part of, of the network. Uh, you'll see that neighborhood greenways, which are the kind of dotted orangish lines, comprise a large part of the low stress network. And um, yeah, so this map is currently online and it will be added, added to the plan in, in the final version. Next slide, please. And then there's uh, also a map of the, the total bicycle vision network. And this is the, the full build out network, which includes everything on the last slide, uh, plus facilities uh, not necessarily considered low stress, uh, many of which already exist. So uh, these are bike lanes uh, that would be challenging to upgrade uh, to, to other facilities. They're serving um, a segment of the bicycling population well, um, but in a lot of cases, they have parallel low stress facilities that will serve that interested but concern um, portion of the population even better. Uh, at this point, I'm gonna pass it back to Rochelle. Great, thank you so much, Michael. Um, so I'm gonna um, pick up and talk about slow streets here. Um, so, 
our five slow streets, I think, as most people know, were, which were created in 2020 in response to the pandemic, uh, they were evaluated as part of this plan um, per council direction to address their future. Um, they were originally implemented as temporary measures. And so this is the opportunity to look at kind of the long-term plan for them. Uh, we first, first, what we did was actually just looked at developing the recommended low stress network that Michael just talked about. And then on top of that, we looked at where the slow streets are located and how those overlap. So the plan states that the existing slow streets that are recommended to be the neighborhood greenways, those would continue as they currently are with a priority to transition to neighborhood greenways in the near term using quick build efforts. And those streets are Pacific, San Jose and Versailles. And this work would be happening in tandem with building out the low stress connected network, um, which includes other neighborhood greenways as seen in the map. Um, and I wanna emphasize that this would mean that the barricades will be removed um, as that transition happens, which um, we are anticipating would happen quickly. Um, the two streets that are not recommended as neighborhood greenways are Santa Clara Avenue and Orion Street. So these um, would be removed as slow streets shortly after the plan is adopted. So um, as requested last year during the slow streets evaluation, um, staff, uh, as was requested by the Transportation Commission, staff compared the merits of using uh, Versailles versus Pearl, basically as the future neighborhood greenway. And we are recommending Versailles as shown in the plan. Um, in looking at the streets, both of them have some benefits for being a neighborhood greenway, such as being continuous north-south routes across most of the island or much of the island. They're evenly spaced with other low-stress routes, and they have similar numbers of intersections um, and also of stops, on, uh, stops along them. Um, but uh, Versailles was selected since it has additional beneficial um, attributes. One is that it connects across Fernside to neighborhoods along Marina and Windsor streets. Um, there are also more existing traffic controls at busy cross streets, including Encinal. And also the street is a little more central to the school zones for Edison School and Otis um, Elementary. So I'm gonna transition back now to talking about um, the chapter in the plan that is on trails and water crossings. Um, this plan adds 14 miles of new or upgraded trails. Those are mostly along the water, which would be building out the Bay Trail. Um, it includes an emphasis on trail maintenance. We have heard that loud and clear that that is, uh, we've fallen short on that front and we need to do more on that. Um, it also calls for upgrading existing bridges to make them safer and more comfortable to use and pursuing options for new bridges, including the one on the West End, uh, which um, are, we're doing the detailed feasibility for, plus um, exploring the feasibility of a second bike ped bridge that would connect to Bay Farm. So the final two chapters of the plan are essentially like an action plan focusing on what we can do over the next eight years, which is by 2030. And that goal year was selected since it syncs with the CARP goal year and is also a realistic timeframe to plan for larger projects. So we have a programs chapter and that the plan has 31 programs that support the infrastructure 
um, proposed in the plan via guidance documents, also educational programs, maintenance programs, bike parking, and much more. Um, and these are organized by time frame, uh, with all being completed by 2030. And the plan has um, 31 projects to complete by 2030. Um, and these capital project recommend, what, how we approach this list was the capital project recommendations for the pedestrian bicycle networks and the trail networks um, from all of those chapters. Those projects were scored and ranked using a data-driven evaluation process that is grounded in the plan goals and that's described more in the, uh, one of the appendices. And next, those resulting high-ranking projects were assessed using more qualitative knowledge and expertise um, and um, considering one of the overall goals of this planning effort, which was included creating a connected low-stress network that eliminates many of the gaps in our existing network. And this resulted in the 31 projects in this plan, and they are categorized by projects that have bike and ped benefits or their trails, um, or they are part of um, the 2030 Low Stress Backbone Network, which um, is this slide here. So this network, um, which is, so it is the streets on this network are a part of those 31 projects on that 31 project list. Um, these are a subset of the overall, or we sometimes call it the vision low stress network. It's not the complete low stress network. It only includes those low stress facilities that are, uh, we feel like would serve the largest number of existing and future riders. And it builds on the ex excellent existing and planned shared use paths and separated bike lanes, such as along Central Avenue, um, and fills in the gaps, many of which are north-south, to create this connected backbone bicycling network. Um, and as you can see, and as Michael mentioned, um, Alameda's newly added bikeway type, the neighborhood greenways, are really integral to building this network. Um, and the network is designed to seamlessly connect um, the community to schools and major transit hubs, commercial centers, bridge crossings. And we feel it's an ambitious but realistic goal for 2030 that future bikeway implementation will expand upon. So um, that's the overview of the plan. And um, I wanna just give you a quick highlight of some of the input we're receiving. Uh, we are still receiving input as was mentioned. Um, uh, maybe I didn't mention it yet. <laughs> we are still receiving input. Um, our deadline for, for public comment is this Sunday. Uh, we have, last time I looked, over 200 surveys, some online surveys submitted. We have hundreds of comments from the events and commission meetings. But I can share with you some of the key takeaways that we've seen and some of which we are already working on for the next final draft. Um, so one is to make our performance measures more robust and to include targets. And that's something that is in progress currently we're working on. Another is to look at the costs, the plan costs, which I um, do not have further information on tonight, but we are pulling that together for the 2030 implementation plan specifically, focusing on the next eight years, what that cost would be, and we're developing that. Uh, we are um, looking at this, this plan with the general plan street classification system, which I know you've now moved to your next agenda, were developed. Um, uh, 
first separately and then somewhat concurrently, but there is still a need and we recognize that need to align these two plans. And so we're still reviewing these and um, uh, working on syncing them up. Um, and so um, we're open to more comments on that, but as something that we are aware of and are working on. Um, and um, we have, there has been um, a lot of interest in a faster transition from slow streets to neighborhood greenways. And a lot of that is because of uh, people being tired of the barricades on the street. And um, so that is something that we are also working on. Um, however, kind of how we do that transition is not technically part of the plan, but it is a separate process and the design for that and the timeline. So we are working on that. And then we are updating some, making some other um, small corrections like the trip data that I mentioned earlier, we are um, updating that. Some of the other comments we've heard and are thinking about are um, the need for more staffing to complete this 20, 30 implementation plan. Uh, there are comments around keeping some or all streets for autos. Um, and there are many, many design level comments that people have provided, which this, this is a citywide plan. So those design level comments will be kept and considered as we, we move or other projects are moving into implementation. So as I've mentioned, the next steps are um, that uh, our comment period We'll be wrapping up on the 23rd, although we are doing some more presentations to different groups and commissions next week. Um, and we will be taking this comment, these comments and considering them and incorporating them into a final draft plan, which would be released uh, by November 7th. And then our intention is to come back to the commission at your regular November meeting on the 16th. And at that meeting, we would be asking for a recommendation from the commission to recommend the plan to the city council. And we would take that same version to the city council for adoption on December 6th with any recommendations from this commission. So just for the, this is my last slide and just for the benefit of the public, um, I wanna say that we are still um, taking comment. We'd love to hear from, from everyone. Um, and uh, this is the webpage, www.activealameda.org. There is an online survey there or um, information can be emailed to us or comments can be emailed. We also do have a print copy of the plan at the reference desk at the main library. So with that, I'm going to stop sharing and I'm, uh, we're happy to take questions and hear your comments. Thank you. Thank you. And I apologize, I blipped out there for a second from my connectivity, but I think I'm back and everyone can hear me okay, I hope. Okay, thank you. So I missed your, your closing, but I think we're ready for comments. So thank you for uh, the presentation and um, really just pulling a very a very long effort forward. Um, if she mentioned, this is, I think, this is the fifth time, I think I heard that this has been coming back to this commission. So in an iteration. Six, yeah. Six. So we have five previous presentations. Now this one, and along with Vision Zero and everything else. So thanks for the um, um, endurance, I guess I'll say on that. <clears throat> so as uh, staff mentioned, this is not for, um, this is an informational item tonight and soliciting feedback from um, this commission as a primary body for, for feedback on behalf of the city. And um, 
uh, in parallel with the other outreach that's being done at the same time. So with that, I'll open it up to um, the commissioners for comments or questions. We'll take um, public comment in a few minutes, but since this is an, an informational item, I feel like an open discussion is appropriate. So just either raise your hand on Zoom or at your screen and I will um, do a, a round robin. Commissioner Johnson, thanks for kicking, kicking, kicking us off. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Um, um, thank you for that. Thanks to everyone for the for the presentation. Um, I think it was really great. Um, I, I just have a little minor comment. So I was actually able to attend the open house on Sunday, which was at the public library, which was really cool. I got to sort of hear the community have some conversations and eavesdrop and to, to listen to, to folks. And I actually was fortunate enough that um, Gail Payne gave me a hard copy of the plan. So I've been sort of reading through it. And one of the questions that I heard at on Sunday from um, from a, a couple of the seniors, and I don't know if it can be if it could be tweaked a little bit like, but um, on the hard copy, at least on page 25, um, it's there's a map of the sort of pedestrian high in, high pedestrian high in, injury corridors. And when you look at that map, it sort of differentiates between tier one, tier two, tier three. I don't know if I talked to you about this, Rochelle, but one of the questions that I had was like, the seniors are having a hard time differentiating between tier one and tier two on the map because the colors were just too close. It was, I mean, I have glasses on, and I was really looking at like, if you look at the uh, map, like on, um, you can see between tier one and, and tier two, it's sort of really hard to tell the difference between um, the tier one and tier two. And I was wondering if that's something that can be tweaked or different colors can be used so, so that the, the public can sort of make that clear delineation between the tier one and the tier two. I don't know if that's something that could be, um, uh, if, if, if that's something that could be looked at so that's my yeah definitely comment. thank you yeah we've we've heard that comment before thank you yeah we can yeah. we can yeah, try to change that. that yeah commissioner johnson i mean i appreciate that because i um you know it sounds minor but when we're going out for the public we do need to be mindful of yeah abilities um on being able to see various colors of uh of on this on the spectrum of the color wheel and so any dashes or anything else i think it's a, a fair comment for um accessibility if nothing else so thank you for that yeah all right thank you chair souls so yeah other comments from commissioners vice chair ewan hi hi um i first want to thank rochelle and others on staff for this tremendous effort, multi-year effort um, to create this really amazing plan. I think that this is a really robust plan and is really representative of all your hard work um, to date and all of, and you all at, uh, in the city staff have really taken to heart the, the multitude of comments and feedback you've received over the many years um, and the many ways in which uh, you've received input and really sort of taken that to heart. And I, I really do think that the plan is a really strong one. 
Um, and I'm really proud of this and I'm really proud to just, um, and I'm just really amazed. I just first want to say that. I do have several comments though and questions. And so I don't know how we want to pace this. I don't, I don't want to rattle on and on and on. So I, maybe what I can do is like start with a few, let other people speak and then come back in. I, I kind of look into you chair souls in terms of how you want to direct the conversation or should I just add everything in now? Um, why don't you go ahead and do one or two and then maybe I'll stop you if it starts getting a lot or if I see other commissioners that um, I would ask the other commissioners. I appreciate the note on logistics, vice chair, first of all. And so I think if you have a, if you have more than a few, you can go ahead and start. And then I'll ask the other commissioners that if you have something that you want to, you know, that's along the same lines of that topic be, beyond maybe echoing just for the sake of time. Um, please raise your hand on your screen. That way I can kind of pace the meeting to have uh, targeted discussions around areas that may be, um, that Vice Chair may springboard us into with, with your comments, if that's okay. Okay, Great. go ahead. I would just say tagging along with uh, what Commissioner Johnson was saying in, in regards to the um, high injury corridor map. I did have some comments about maps in general. I love maps and I, I appreciate all the maps and just the detail. I could totally nerd out on it. Um, I do think for Appendix A, which is the, I'm forgetting the, it's some sort of prioritization map. I do think the coloration is backwards. I think the reds should be the highest tier, right? I'm sorry. It should be backwards. I think the red should be like the highest tier and the green should be the lowest tier. And I think that just would make it jump out a little bit more and be clearly defined on what is the highest priority versus the lowest priority. So that's one. I do think there are a number of maps where I wasn't quite clearly understanding what the intention of the map is. I think um, the presenter from Tool showed, or maybe it was Rochelle, showed the 2030 low stress bike network map. And I, it took me, I didn't understand until you presented just now what that is. So I think each of the maps would really be served well by just adding in two or three sentences in the caption and the legend about what the map is. Um, because I was getting mixed up a little bit on the 2030 low stress network versus the other low stress network map. And I was like, there's a difference, but I don't understand the difference. Like what's the significance? So just those couple of things, adding in the captioning and then looking at some of the coloration in addition to what Commissioner Johnson said, I think would just make the maps just, um, for me, way more um, user-friendly. So I'll stop there. I have other comments, but you can circle back around to me for I, later on. I just on. want to make sure on, on the, the coloration, I think these are also just comments of just generally public outreach tools as we move forward, that a lot of these are already produced and printed and published for public comments. So I don't know if staff wants to set any expectations here about what we may see coming forward now versus later on this. I do like the, I do agree with the comment on the annotations vice chair. And I think, you know, whereas I don't know what programs these are in or how difficult it is or who's going to look at it since we're already in the public comment phase for these maps. Um, so maybe it is kind of a lesson learned for moving forward, but I think the annotation could be added to the eventual final plan to allow for some of that readability and kind of just the, what exactly am I looking at in this map? Because there's so many that kind of are repeated. So maybe that that's the best note for an actionable item that can go into the final, if I could propose that. 
I would okay. just add, yes, I think these notes for, I think if, if we can update the um, maps for the final draft, um, that would be what I would, if that's possible, that'd be what I would recommend. Yeah, because we're going to be looking back on it for, you know, at least eight years, hopefully. And so um, I want to get to Commissioner Colstrand briefly because she had her hand raised and then uh, Commissioner Nantagal, I'll come to you next. Okay, thank you. Um, first, I'd like to say overall, I think this is just a great plan. Um, it evidences a great amount of work over a long period of time and focused on trying to improve accessibility and safety for Alamedans who are bicycling and walking. And I think it goes a long way towards working towards a more balanced um, use of our public rights of way, um, which is what we're after. And it's the basis of trying to address climate change and the goals that the city has in that area. I think um, there are a few kind of, oh, and well, I guess one more thing about that in general, I think it's probably 90 to 95% of the way there. My biggest concern continues to be kind of how we integrate the two plans. So I'm, I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail about that here because I think we need to work through that a little bit with staff and a working committee to figure out how we deal with this. Um, because I think it does a really good job of giving alternatives for people who are moving around Alameda. And it's important for those who want to bicycle or walk out of Alameda to into Oakland. But I think we really need um, for that latter trip because it also is the commute trip and because um, the gateways are our key congestion points in the city. I think we need to give more consideration to what we can accommodate at those gateways um, and still try to improve our transit mode shares. Um, so that we're not just so focused on bicycle and pedestrian. Um, and I say that because so many of our capital projects that we've been focusing on as a commission have been bicycle and trans or bicycle and pedestrian improvements. So I want to just uh, talk about kind of the key areas that I want, I think are still uh, need to be looked at and need some resolution. And that is the key one for me is the redundancy and the establishment of east-west routes, bicycle routes in central Alameda. And just if you will indulge me, so Pacific, Lincoln, Santa Clara, Central Alameda Avenue, Encinal, San Antonio, San, San Jose are all recommended as some sort of bicycle route. And there's a lot of redundancy in there. And we've already made some improvements. We're gonna make improvements on Encinal. We've already made them on Central and Santa Clara. If we had an unlimited amount of money and we could do whatever we wanted, that would be great, but we don't. And in particular, you know I'm gonna say this about Lincoln, it's the one last street that's two lanes in each direction. And I really think we need to consider that for transit. So I'll go into more detail that in, on that issue when we have our subcommittee meeting and we'll, we'll come back with the comments to the main commission. But I also think um, 
for our main streets and our gateways, we really need to think through how, whether we can and how we might accommodate all modes at those gateways, because that's going to be really challenging, especially at High Street, which is basically two lanes. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not a major, as major of an access point on and off the island as the other bridges, but uh, it's still kind of lumped into the same category. So we kind of need to reach, to think through clearly how all that's going to function. And then I have other specific comments. Um, so I'm happy, well, maybe I'll make one more about, and then, then you can come back to me. Um, and it's kind of along the, the um, consideration of how we merge these two. Um, at our last meeting, uh, Jim Strelu brought up the issue of why um, Gibbons was not a neighborhood connector. And I have thought about that off and on. And as I looked at the street classification system, I think we have to have a discussion about that. And I think that will, impact whether we have a neighborhood greenway designation on Gibbons. So that's really important to um, engage the other part of this discussion, which is the overall street classification system before we make a final decision on that. And then you can come back to me for the other uh, points that I wanted to bring up. Absolutely. And I don't want to repeat my comments along the same lines earlier. I mean, I kept on thinking in the terms of modal equity in the sense of, you know, that we do have these, you know, peak times and the commuter um, base of how we release those pain points. I was actually on Gibbon, so I was thinking about that one um, the other day because I do feel like that, especially in the morning, now that the Oakland side of um, both uh, High Street as well as if you go down Fruitvale that they have worked on all these improvements in pavement and everything else and now that bottleneck is no longer there and I noticed that there's uh, a little bit of different circulation happening along Fernside now so I don't know if people have picked up on it or not. Um, so like I said, I don't want to I don't want to echo everything and reiterate everything. So I'm going to go to uh, Commissioner Noctegall and then I'll come back to Vice Chair you and I'll circle back to you Commissioner Colstrand in just a bit. Commissioner Noctegall. Thank you, Chair Souls. And I mean, I had raised my hand at that point just to echo something about the coloration of the maps, but that's fine. I'm, you know, whether or not that changes for the final, I did agree with uh, uh, Vice Chair Ewan about the, the opposite colorations where the red looked like the more critical rather than the less as far as priorities. but. Anyhow, I, I am happy at this point to give my other comments too. Uh, I really did wanna say that I wanna commend Rochelle. I know this has been a lot of years and it, we have heard about this a lot. It's, it's great, it's a great plan. There's a lot of great work to improve active transportation in Alameda for sure. And I'm excited to see the low stress network i think that's that's awesome and that the slow streets are going to transition to neighborhood greenways that's really that's cool that's really cool a lot of those are east east west and so one of my biggest concerns and i've said it a lot of different times and i'm still saying it is the ensuring enough low stress north south connections um those are the connections that get everyone to and from the 
the, the Cross Alameda Trail and all of these neighborhood greenways and schools and the commercial districts, right? Like those north-south connections have to be safe, not just if you're on bikes, but if you're pedestrian, if you're wheeling, if you're on a, on a knee scooter, whatever, you have to be able to get across. If you're pushing a, a stroller, you have to be able to get across these avenues. And, and it's noted throughout the plan that like even in the, I've got it here, I wrote it, the level of stress assessment conducted by tool, it says arterial, arterial streets are the high stress, are high stress for people bicycling and for pedestrians when crossing the street. And it really is the truth. And there's a lot of, there's improvement, but I think there's room for more as far as safe crossings and, and the ability to get people to and from, and you know, we're about to have a whole bunch of new buildings finished along the Northern waterfront. Let's make sure all those folks on the Northern waterfront can safely get across the island too and get to all of the different, different places they wanna go and then get all the way out to uh, Alameda Point. And if they wanna go over to Bay Farm, right? Let's make it a truly connected system, not just East-West but all of those safe north-south crossings. And goodness gracious, we've got South Shore and all that awesome access. Let's make sure people can safely get to South Shore. I know there's some canals in the way. I'm not talking about those, but you know, like get people out and using everything fully connected. So that, but I go back to, there's a lot of great work here. So thank you, definitely. Thank you, Commissioner Noctegal. And I saw Commissioner Suthin Thera in the, the Bay Farm that you can bay, you can bike from Bay Farm to South Shore. It's not hard. It's it's a it's a nice ride. So <laughs> um okay, so we've heard from most of our commissioners, and I know that we have Vice Chair Ewan as well as well as Commissioner Colstrand with additional comments. Um, if it would be acceptable, I would like to go um Commissioner Suthin Thera, because you haven't spoken on this topic, I will uh address yours first. And then I'd like to take public comments so we can get some additional feedback before we finish our discussion, if that's all right, with um, the commissioners that are waiting to give their remaining points. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Commissioner Sithanthera, please. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, I just want to provide some high-level points and then so um, I do have some detailed comments and I will go after the public comments, as you say. So I want to first uh, congratulate uh, Rochelle and team. And, you know, when you had uh, the workshop or public outreach in 2019 in the library, I was there with my kids. So if you remember Rochelle. So um, this is like a real deja vu and uh, uh, it's amazing. And it is a progressive plan. And I can see the lot of, um, um, how do I say, deep thoughts and making the plan really, you know, come together for both modes, um, given the current trend in the industry. Um, and so it is not a small feat, so congratulations. And uh, all of the comments that's coming down, um, you know, coming towards you is only for refinement to make the plan better and uh, um, help the, the city meet its objective. And so having said that, um, you know, I'm just the high level thought um, is that, uh, you know, this is an island and being an island, we have some benefits and disbenefits. Uh, the benefits are we don't have any cut through, cut through traffic from any, any of our neighbors. 
And uh, the other benefit is uh, the key one is we can design the way to facilitate, um, uh, you know, the, the model use and to help our folks, um, help our uh, residents um, in, you know, to achieve the goals that you are talking about. I really like the goal that you have here. One of the goals that's under community, which is to promote and inspire um, uh, to foster a strong culture of biking and walking. You know, we can really do that uh, being an island, but that's all about internal circulation. You have to really remember that. For all the external external connection, we are you know really stuck with our gateways, and then that's where the um, you know multi-model thinking, which is mostly automobile, which is which includes transit. When I say right, and of course we have ferries, and then we have to have some way to facilitate uh, all the, the active transportation get to ferry. Uh, but other than that, that's only a small fraction. So we have to remember that we and I, and I do notice that the last slide that you put up as um, you know the comments received does say that um, accommodate um, automobile as well. And if you don't do that, it's going to burst at seams, and uh, which by seams I mean that it is going to flow into neighborhood routes. And uh, ways is a big one. If if they get into our city and they can really provide access into all our neighborhood routes, and then uh, you know all the residents will be at our uh, at the city hall. So. So we do have to acknowledge that, and I'm glad we defer the deferred the uh, roadway classification um, to the subcommittee to discuss. And I hope that they will consider that they, they will think about this um, rather than having some fragmented approach um, in uh, identifying the major routes with uh, you know by block by block differentiation and classification. We have to really consider how we can accommodate all modes and distinguish between safe internal and convenient internal circulation and also you know convenient uh, in getting out uh, out of the island. So with that, I will stop and um, probably I will get to my um, comments, detailed comments later. Of course, thank you for um, Commissioner uh, Nightingale um, for, for uh, you know, Bay Farm Island connection. I have a lot of points. The first thing I did this morning is to ride my bike to Lincoln uh, School. So I will, I have some points on that. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for those comments. And I, and I, I do echo some of those as well. Um, all right, let's go to um, any hands raised on the public comment side. And so I'd like to have all the public comments. There's three minutes on the clock for each one. It looks like we got our clock working. So I'm gonna kick it over and then we'll do a um, finish out of commissioner comments back to staff as far as their feedback so we can capture that and um, and to wrap up. So if you would like to comment on this agenda item 6A specifically, then please raise your hand and we will start welcoming you to the panel. Who are we promoting to first? Um, uh, the first speaker will be Denise Trepanier. Good evening. Great, hi, how are you doing this evening? Um, thanks for the opportunity to speak tonight. My name is Denise Trepanier and I'm the board president for Bike Walk Alameda which is your local Safe Streets Advocacy Organization. We're very excited um, to see how far this plan has come since its prior draft in the before times um, and want to express our thanks uh, to all the work that staff and the consultants have done to build what I think is a really good plan. 
Uh, we've also sent a detailed letter with our thoughts and comments, but I just wanted to highlight a couple of broad stroke areas that we would like to see considered. For the neighborhood greenways, we'd like to see minimum design standards that will be implemented and not just a toolbox of treatments that will be considered. Um, this would be similar to what we did recently with daylighting intersections in our high injury corridors. City Council approved a policy change in order to expedite the process, and now daylighting only requires notification, um, and it happens in tandem with other roadwork projects. So we're wondering if there's a comparable policy um, change that could be recommended to expedite implementation of these projects. Um, it would be really nice if we could see the burden of proof shifting onto those who are opposing these safety treatments instead of it being on those who are trying to design and implement them. Um, we'd like to consider, have you consider if it's feasible to define minimum safety treatments that would be implemented unless they were deemed technically infeasible? Um, is, it, is it possible to define a default set of treatments that will be implemented on our neighborhood greenways so we don't have to go through a lengthy design process? Um, we'd also really like to see McKay with a safe bicycling facility connecting to um, what will be the new Central Avenue bike lanes that are in the works um, and the park that's at the end of McKay. I think it's important that we have a low stress facility there. Um, and finally, thank you, Chair Souls, for um, mentioning at the beginning how intertwined our street classification is with um, all of our other plans. We had concern that the gateway and commercial business district designations around Alameda Landing and Marina Village Shopping Centers might mean that the safest treatments wouldn't be applied there. These areas um, are part of our low stress network and we really need to be able to, you know, as one of the key things that we talked about at the beginning, we need to get people to where they wanna go on a low stress network. So I think those are, are really, um, it's important that we all agree on how those roads will be treated and classified, but it sounds like um, everyone's already on that. Um, you'll find a lot more detailed information about these points in our letter, um, but just wanted to say thanks for this plan. Um, and then just real quickly, I just wanted to comment that um, four of the east-west connecting bike facilities that we have right now are not low stress. So let's just, um, I just want to keep in mind that things like Santa Clara and Central, parts of Central, um, are really door zones. Um, so I don't think we have a lot of redundancy there. Anyway, thanks for um, all of the work on this. Thank you. Thank you for your comments tonight. Um, okay, I have it up now. So I think Travis Morgan is next, if I have that right. Great, thank you. Uh, thank you all for an excellent plan. It's looking really awesome. I live along Gibbons and would like to see it as a neighborhood greenway. I think that as many neighborhood greenways, especially like the prior speaker was saying with high quality infrastructure in place to uh, promote low stress, safe cycling would be the way to go. So go neighborhood greenways, make them awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining tonight and providing comments. I don't see any other hands raised. Uh, no. Oh, no. Okay, Jim, Jim Stralo. Can we get him back? Hi, Jim. Go ahead. Evening. Others and I would have thought that the ATP was going to pass citywide improvements such as identifying where 20 mile per hour e-bikes could safely ride. Do e-bikes belong in protected bikeways? This plan relies heavily on engineering changes versus behavioral education. 
Smartphone use, headphones being worn. When were the bicyclists and pedestrians at fault at the injury locations? Uh, instead, I see how this plan has targeted certain streets for changes. For Versailles, 49% of the complaints on slow streets saw Versailles as the highest for any slow street, yet the council in this ATP ignores this commission's recommendation to move off of Versailles. This plan ignores the citizens' wishes for Versailles. People use Versailles to get to the NCL business district. You're increased, you increase greenhouse gas use by forcing vehicles trying to get to the NCL business district by using other streets. That equals traffic diversion to neighborhood streets. That's undesirable. Huh? Fernside, for years, the residents of Fernside have notified the city of their concerns of speeding with the wish for more enforcement and some safety improvements. At no time were, the, were their desires of the uh, Fernside residents to want a two-way protected bike lane, which is the only change indicated on the ATP map for Fernside. Fernside residents feel overlooked, ignored, where only the bike needs were addressed. Gibbons Drive, at the virtual meeting on October 5th, the uh, neighborhood Greenway, said was gonna be treated like a slow street where they'd be closed off uh, to the street to through traffic. And now I'm hearing you know, at least that, well, there might be right-hand turn only at certain intersections. That might be also at high streets. That's highly undesirable. Huh? This plan has Gibbons as a neighborhood connector, yet the street designation chart that was gonna be introduced in 6B tonight has it as just a neighborhood street. Your committees cannot agree. There is confusion. Out-of-town visitors to Alameda often take High Street to drive along Gibbons Drive to enjoy the liquid amber trees, either when arriving to or leaving from Alameda via High Street. Potentially closing off Gibbons Drive at High Street for your suggested right turn only would not be liked by visitors. Who on staff has the authority to propose Gibbons Drive for a neighborhood greenway? You must have had lots of statistics of high street, high speed violations and crashes. Otherwise, at whose request? If you uh, heard from some squeaky wheels along Gibbons Drive, what about the 150 non-squeaky wheel residents who like Gibbons Drive as it is? Keep it multimodal, huh? Send this plan back for further study, directly contact residents of proposed change streets, et cetera. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your comments tonight. Um, I'm not seeing any other hands raised. And so I'm going to close the public comment period and come back to the commission for further comments. And I'm gonna start with Vice Chair Ewan. Thank you for your patience on us getting back to you. So please continue with yours. And again, if someone has something to add on or for discussion that would uh, support feedback back to staff on this item as informational, then just raise your hand either virtually or in your camera so I can address that at the same time. Go ahead, Vice Chair. Thank you, Chair Souls. I have a couple of maybe questions. I have a couple of questions, maybe one that's a little bit easier than the other. Um, my first question is regarding table one, with this, which is the pedestrian design matrix. Just my understanding of the table, or at least the way in which it's currently laid out and um, pre presented, I, I'm not understanding fully how the city is intending to use this table. Is this table saying that only these types of treatments will be allowed on these types of streets? 
and overlays or are these suggestions or sort of prioritizations? Um, for example, like the rapid flashing beacons, I think right now is only marked as a check under schools overlay. And I, I think that that is a treatment that we would, or intervention that we would want to use in multiple types of places. So I just wanted to kind of like gut check how we're actually using this as a, as a way to um, guide design. That's my first question. My second question is, I think going back to Commissioner Noctical's comment around increasing North-South access um, via our bike um, network, um, the Grand Street project, I think the, 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 what's in the active transportation plan right now is that there would be a protected separated bikeway and that's in question a little bit now limbo. So I'm just wondering uh, what is staff's advice on sort of how we should be treating that and providing comments on that. Should we be waiting uh, for the November or for more kind of direction on that? Um, I think that's the question that I, those are my two questions. Um, I think for the first one, I think we can have staff address it as far as the table. Um, for the second one, um, if staff does want to address that, I, I do think that is an item within the council that is in a state of flux. And so I'm not sure if there is any um, mid-stride advice as far as, or, or maybe a look ahead at what we could expect, Vice Chair. So Rochelle or Lisa, would you, either of you like to address one or both of those? Yeah, I will start. Um, so um, that's a, those are both great questions. Um, for table one, the pedestrian design matrix, um, yeah, we realize this is a lot, um, and, um, uh, maybe hard, and uh, we've worked hard to try to make all of this more accessible and realize maybe there's still some, some, uh, room for improvement. Um, so, uh, the idea is that this would be used when we have pedestrian projects, whether they're part of a larger complete street effort or they're part of street maintenance or they're part of um, say reviewing a development and the street frontage in front of that development. So anytime we have an opportunity where we know we want to or have the opportunity to make um, pedestrian like street improvements, um, we would use this to look up the street type and then based on that street type, look at the treatment matrix and um, it's basically giving us what the available treatment options are that we should be considering. It's also a way for us to make kind of more um, kind of transparent to the public what we're considering and what we're not considering. And the three, but we're not saying that all of these things would be used. They're really kind of what's in your toolkit for this particular street and location. Um, and then from that, you know, toolkit, then there's the effort of, well, okay, then you look like really what are the specifics of this street? What are the volumes? What are the widths? What are the adjacent land uses? What's the budget? All of those things. And then you would, and what's public input? And then you use all of those to do the actual design. Um, the three categories that you see for in each of the cells for each of the um, design treatments are one is, yes, this is a permitted or sure you can use this device kind of no, no questions asked kind of right and then the second one is more of a maybe 
and kind of, or maybe it's more of a depends. And that's because um, the specific FHWA safety guidance might have some specific criteria around that. Like this works best on streets that are, you know, below X miles per hour. So we want to be cognizant of that. And so we want to look at that. Or it may be that um, for that ticket, you might not use it everywhere, but if it's a school overlay, you would want to use it along that street type. Um, or maybe we've tried other treatments and they haven't really worked as well as we'd like. And so that one that's a depend, you know, the open box, that one is one we would consider. And then lastly is the little dash and that's ones we would not consider for that street. So um, for your first question, does that answer your question, uh, Vice Chair Ewan? I think, but yes, partially. I think, uh... I'm, I think for some reason I missed the key entirely. And so I, so yes, you answered part of that. I think your first part of the answer in terms of like how you intend to use this, I think maybe kind of spending a little bit of time in the plan, kind of describing that a little bit more robustly than it may just, um, to me, mm -hmm. it was, I felt like it was sort of, it was a little bit more cut and dry. Like, yes, we, we would consider, or no, we would not consider. And I think there's a little mm -hmm. bit more room for like um, consideration discussion given sort of the geometry of the road, the considerations, the budget. I mean, a lot of these other things sort of factor in as well. So thanks for that response. So describing that key, uh-huh. Okay, great. All right. And then for the other question, um, I would say, and we have other staff on the line who are much more uh, working much more closely on Grand Street than I am. I would just say that the reason we are proposing Grand Street as a protected facility is that we as staff feel like um, that is the, you know, following council policy and direction and the needs of building the network and the prioritization criteria that that is the best facility for that roadway um, and uh, uh, having protected bike lanes there. And that that is what helps us create a connected low stress network um, and how that plays out. I see Andrew has put his uh, screen on. I, yeah, before we go um, any further, I mean, I jump on uh, that. Yeah. Unless someone really. <laughs> That item came to the commission as a project and the commission weighed in and the commission took their action. And I would prefer to not open a specific project up for discussion given where it's at with the current council. So unless staff really wants to provide detail in the context of the ATP, I would rather not re-adjudicate or add additional discussion to something that has already gone to council and has a, a, an active, like I said, state of flux in, in, in progress from what I could tell. Um, I think that having a report on that, which I already shared with Lisa um, for a future meeting is part of the staff report coming back to the commission on things that come out of this body and go to council and getting a report back on how those were handled at the council level, absolutely. Um, but I'm just afraid that it's going to venture a bit outside of what the agendized item is for this meeting. Is that okay, Vice Chair? Yes, and I think it was, it, my, my question was really just like, should we just ignore that part for right? Just, just 
ignore, ignored in terms of our comments for right now is that um, maybe well, I that's the direction. If, if, a, I guess, if staff wants to provide, go ahead, Rochelle. Yeah, I, I would just say, um, I, I, I would not say you should ignore it. it. You should take it as a recommendation and comment on that recommendation on if you want to make a comment on it. It's an informational item. So if we want to provide feedback on that as it appears in the plan and how you would like to see it appear or any kind of comments, then yes, that would be within the agendized item. Andrew, did you, you came back on camera. So I'm assuming you- I just, have I'll, 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 thank you, Chair Souls. All I wanted to say, look, it's going back to council on November 1st. Um, we'll see what happens. If the council's like, no, we don't want to do protected bike lanes, I think that's going to, you know, staff is going to take that as the final decision on Grand Street. That's going to force us to rethink about what the role of Grand Street is in the active transportation plan. And then we'll be back, was it November 14th, Rochelle, November 15th to the, to the Transportation Commission. We can report on kind of where we're at and we can all talk about how to adjust or not the active transportation plan um, at that point. On the Grand Street issue, it's okay. You know, it, okay, I think so. Vice Chair, if you want to coalesce anything into a comment back, then feel free. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to cut off the discussion, but I just want to stay within the agendized meeting. Yeah, and I, I realize I just opened a can of worms. I will. Um, I will hold comments on that particular topic uh, until we hear back from Council um, and. We will meet again in November, so we'll have time to chat. Yeah, it sounds like the timeline lines up to where there will be a, a, a space for that. Um, Commissioner Noctegall? I just want to add a tiny clarification to make sure everyone knows. My, my request for more north-south goes way beyond grand. I want more north-south all over the place. <laughs> uh, comment received. Okay, <laughs> I think that wrapped up yours, so I'd like to circle back to Commissioner Nicole Strand at this time. Okay, thank you. Um, well, first, I, I'm not sure if I clearly articulated this before, but um, I am anxious about the ability of our two main um, main streets, Webster and Park, their ability to accommodate all modes and particularly on Park. Um, and I'm happy to see that you are looking at Oak as an alternative. Uh, bicycle route, because I think it's going to be really difficult to accommodate autos, pedestrians, bicycles, trucks, and transit on Park Street. I think it's going to be really challenging. And I think it will be on parts of uh, Webster as well. Um, I want to make a couple of comments about Bay Farm. Um, the first one has to do with the condition I don't disagree with any of the classifications there, but you've identified a list of improvements um, to the tune of $65 million um, for bicycles and pedestrians. And I think, I know that the bike paths there um, were initially put in by the developer. And I'd like a clarification on whether they're still whether the maintenance of those facilities is still under the homeowners association um, or is it now a city responsibility? Because I think that the um, condition of a lot of the pavement has really gotten bad and it's 
for people that are walking, it's not quite as bad, but if you're on a bicycle, it's become quite a rough ride out there um, on some of the uh, parts of the trail. And so I'd like to um, see that addressed in some way in this plan. Um, also the second crossing to Bay Farm uh, from South Shore to, to somewhere midpoint over in the shoreline uh, on Bay Farm. I don't think it's a bad idea as a long-term strategy, but I would put it pretty low down in terms of priorities for, um, for myself, just because, well, I, I mean, I, myself as a representative on this commission, <laughs> um, just because I think there are so many other things that are more critical than that second crossing. Um, I wanted to talk about the de um, designation of the Bay Trail and specifically um, how you've dealt with it on Fernside, putting it on Fernside for the short term, I guess, rather than Marina and East Shore. And I don't quite understand why that's the case because there are streets and sidewalks where you can um, get closer to the edge of the water. You're not gonna see, well, there, and there actually are locations on East Shore where you can walk out to the edge of the water. So um, I'd like you to think a little bit further about that, whether we shouldn't just designate that the Bay Trail, which has always tried to get as close to the shoreline as possible along Marina and East Shore rather than Burnside. And um, then finally, I just wanted to bring up, uh, this is, is just a knit, I think, for the maps, both on this plan and then on the uh, citywide street classification plan. Sometimes Coast Guard Island streets are in, sometimes they're out. I'm assuming Coast Guard Island, even though it may be part of the city, it's not in our jurisdiction, so we're not making any changes there. So that should just be clear in the maps. And I think that uh, is wraps up my comments for tonight because so many of them really relate to how we pull the two plans together. So thank you again for your work. Uh, it's been it's been quite a long road for you, and uh, I think it's a it's a good plan. Thank you, Commissioner Colstrand. I only have one to piggyback on there. Um, that. When it, what struck me on the prioritization was when we talked about kind of the geographical, the geographic equity, I think a lot of the Bay Farm facilities are a bit overdue. Um, and these aren't facilities that are in question for use, as you can see, not just with walk and roll day, but every morning that we have students using these bike paths. I'm seeing more and more of our senior citizens walk in the street instead of on our sidewalks which presents a whole other safety issue that says a lot that they're willing to be in between parked cars and open traffic instead on instead of on a legitimate sidewalk. Um, so somewhere in some of the prioritization, I would like to see a little bit of mostly maintenance. So some of the lower dollar amounts on the table seem like they could have a little bit more like I said, geographic equity of, of which neighborhoods are really getting the improvements, not just for safety, but it really is for comfort uh, for a lot of our um, population for both recreation as well as commuting um, to the various transit options that we do have to be able to easily get off of Bay Farm 
but you don't have to bike to the main island. We have park and rides. We have a lot of bike lockers. We had the ferries. So to me, even the not just, you know, intra-island trips, but the commuter trips, um, there's probably a lot of untapped mode shift that we could make there with adding that, that level of comfort um, and maybe cinching up some of the safety areas in our trickier intersections that are flagged here on uh, it being a project, but very low, low, low priority. Um, so maybe a, a $15,000 project that raises in priority because it meets some of those goals and fits the budget would be a compelling way to, to offer that up. Um, I, well, I have the floor, just my other, oh, go ahead, Rochelle. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Chair Souls. I just wanted to ask a clarifying question. When you said they're flagged as low priority, um, where were you seeing? Was that in the plan? Project prioritization, where it looked like they were all like we have like Bay Farms all red <laughs> in the appendix. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I and I get it. I get it because it is. It seems constrained, but we actually do have. Um, I, I talked to a lot of people who are trying to. You know, knowing what the what when the ferry comes back to post pandemic levels and what that's going to do to parking, that there's a lot of people that are willing to really try different ways to get to those that last mile connectivity of transit and to not offer um, options that are comfortable for both bike and ped. I think is a lost opportunity, a missed opportunity there. Um, just the other general comment while I have the floor is that. I'm always impressed with how many capital projects we run as a small city. I'm always impressed by how competitive we are for funding. I mean, our staff do amazing things here. And if you look at cities like Berkeley or, you know, ones that you could even call comparable, we are really kind of head and shoulders um, above in, in my book. Um, that said, it is a lot to pull forward in eight years. And I don't even know if the costs really capture the overhead and other staff costs and contracting costs to actually bring this many projects forward. So the way I would frame that comment is we don't want to do too much poorly. And if that means that we need to have a realistic target that we can do really well, I would be open to seeing less projects done really well that are um, meeting all of these goals within the prioritization than um, overloading staff and the, whether it's consultant or contractors or, or other markets, just really trying to, to right size it for what's reasonable. I love ambition. I don't wanna have fail at the expense of it. Um, Commissioner Sutton Thier, I think you had your hand up first and I'll come back to vice chair. Thank you, Chair. Uh, can I go through my comments? Uh, time? Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. Um, and it was a lot of information, and um, and I was really trying to capture everything in a short time, and and I, I may have missed something, but uh, what came across, um, and and just hearing from other commissioners, there are a lot of knowledge and. Uh, points for the main main island um, in terms of north south and uh, um, the neighborhood uh, 
streets that we are talking about, you know, conversion from slow streets and all that, you know, there is there are a lot of knowledge and uh, input coming in. But for uh, Bay Farm, I'm disheartened um, to see what's, uh, I mean, uh, to note uh, what's there or what's not there, um, the plan. And I actually started with the prioritization because anybody would. And uh, I was like, okay, it's red. And I was excited. But then I, I realized that's actually the reverse. <laughs> so, and I do want you to, you know, consider changing um, the color in the final plan. So, but then I went to um, the existing conditions report, what it really said in terms of, you know, how the infrastructure is. And, and um, the existing conditions do say, uh, even though it's 2019, but it is still current, there is no improvement uh, um, happened afterwards. And, uh, you know, for the bike bed, um, or, um, especially for bike, and I, I, I do have a, the map in front of me, which is the bicycle level of traffic stress and social vulnerability, it shows uh, the McCartney Road or Island Drive between McCartney and uh, the bridge uh, to be high stress, um, um, you know, for bike and, and also the Maitland Drive. We can't forget that section of the group, you know, it's some, you know, you know I do hear a little bit disadvantaged community living in there too. So we need, we do need to pay special attention there. And there are many seniors, you know, I, in, and in as much as we have two schools in the small area and uh, there are a lot of kids going to those, you know, two schools with full capacity. And there are so many seniors living in the, in the Bay Farm Island. And, uh, and uh, I um, completely agree with chair, in terms of how they really, you know, they trade off in terms of the comfort to walking and also, you know, the safety, it's amazing. So I think we have the responsibility to provide uh, appropriate and safe and convenient infrastructure. And, and uh, we are talking about all um, mobility levels, right? So, um, if, okay, having said that, let me go into, I have some specific points. So um, I want to go through that. In terms of uh, the figure one bike network prioritization, what I didn't see is, uh, or what I, what I want to mention is, you know, there is this ferry and there are two, two schools and also there is this park and ride lot next to the club, you know, the golf um, area. So all these four areas, you may want to see how best they can be improved in terms of accessing by bike and walk. And uh, at least for the, you know, I can understand for the bike, you know, the park and ride, um, only walking to the park and ride may be possible, um, which means that improving the sidewalk to be more safe. Um, uh, but for the schools, both schools, you one would think that it has uh, safer access, but not all across. I can tell you from Bay Farm, for Bay Farm in particular, uh, you know, next after the Tillman Park or around the Tillman Park area, once the kids go by bike and walk, and then they are confined to the sidewalk over there. So you need to really think about providing multi-purpose path. You know, the, the design, the design a multi-purpose path. There is a right-of-way availability. I can tell you. You know, I was excited to see when the class two became class two buffered, and that was super exciting. But still, only some parents allow the kids to go by bike with the speeding cars. You know, next to them. So you may want to really think about uh, getting like 500 kids and their majority would bike, I can tell you that much. 
and the same with uh, you know Earhart. And uh, over there, you know, between both Bayfarm and Earhart, you may want to think about you know how to provide a protected bike lane. Um, so it 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 really facilitates the community or the residents living you know in between those schools to go both ways, right? And and uh, then getting to Lincoln, both these both of these elementary schools feed into Lincoln, but once they get to middle school, the the psychology is that this they either go by bus, which is very limited numbers, or they get dropped off. My my own personal experience, I can tell you, my kid is a cyclist, and she has a bike with her in college now, but she refused to go by bike to Lincoln. She didn't feel safe to ride. And that's what really triggered me to bike today, seriously. Majority of the portion, I didn't sit on my seat when I was biking to save my, you know, my back, seriously. It is so bad. And I'm happy to see that in the 2030 infrastructure plan, you have this Bayform Bridge access improvement. I really want to see what it means, you know, which section you are talking about. You know, from Robert Davy Jr. to the, you know, the wooden bridge, it's really bad. I know some portion is good, but then you can't even go, you know, you can't bike. You have to roll your bike, actually. And, and then imagine that some most, some are most of the kids actually wear their backpacks on their back. So we need to really provide them. If you are really talking about promote and inspire bike and walk to foster a strong culture, we really need to start with the kids. So I strongly encourage the team to look at the access points and then add into school kids are the are the important one, the first two, first ones you may want, and of course seniors, right? So look look there and and you know check out those, and then access to ferry, provide some safe you know just having class two bike lanes is not helpful, and so and and this is a straight road and you have a right of way. So start with the probably class two um, buffered and then provide some bollards so people feel, uh, you know, um, I think um, people who are driving to ferry are a little bit, um, you know, careful. But again, so you, you can start somewhere. Just having class two bike lane is not enough. So I will stop there. And thank you so much. I'm so excited to hear about the second connection. You have to start somewhere. You have to think that's how it starts, right? And I think um, um, in the plan mentions in terms of context for development of Bayfarm Island, like, you know, in 80s, it was developed. In 70s and 80s, it was developed. It was more car-centric. It is. But then, you know, they're, the people coming in, they're trying to be more um, active. But we have to facilitate it. And I'm, I'm glad to see the Starbucks and there are a lot of kids going there. There are kids biking, too. And, uh, you know, the land use comes along, but that's a whole different discussion. But, but uh, it is on us now to facilitate the, the better integration, better connection. So it's, uh, the, it's main island and Bay Farm are not different. You know, it, it should become cohesive at one point. So I will stop there. Thank you. Thank you. And, and Commissioner Student there, I was laughing earlier, not at your comment, but I have lived the relentless impacts <laughs> to the backside where I was like, I need a bike with better shocks. <laughs> like I need a mountain bike and not a beach cruiser for some of these areas. And the small connections that do get us through because, and not to be too Bay Farm centric, but the connections that we have in the peak time, people trying speeding to make the ferry, 
speeding to get to all of our businesses that are along Long Cowan, it's a really bad mix of those peak hours between students, recreational um, citizens, the people trying to make transit connection or get to their work on time. It just seems like there's there's a lot that, like I said, a lost opportunity that we, we should leverage as we go forward. Um, so I appreciate your comments. And Rochelle, I think you were trying to jump in there. So before I pitch to Vice Chair, did you wanna say something? I, I, I I just I'm appreciating all the comments from everybody and I just want to make sure I'm understanding them. So um, uh, Commissioner Sutantira, I think you were talking about some specific streets when you said getting to the ferry. I'm assuming you meant uh, McCartney yes. when you said a straight street. OK, yeah. All right. I just wanted to clarify that. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. All right, Vice Chair, back to you. Thank you. Um, I, so I just had some some few points and I actually wanted to kind of circle back to maybe what Chair Soul said about feasibility of the plan. And I had a little bit of a different take on that because I actually think that we should stay the course and be aggressive in trying to do what the plan is trying to do by 2030. Um, I think for all the reasons that are laid out in terms of the CARP, in terms of Vision Zero, in terms of our mobility, um, you know, we're, we're getting more housing, you know, we have a housing element that's been pre-approved, um, you know, technically we're going to get more residents here in the city. We need a better mobility transportation, uh, you know, system here and we need it very soon. Um, and so I was thinking, you know, a couple points here, I think in the staff report and also in the plan, um, there was an emphasis that no additional staffing resources are needed. And I kind of want to potentially rethink that because I do think that we're going to meet the goals of this plan. Um, the city is going to need the resources in order to execute on that. And I, I've never run a planning department or a public works department. I defer to the city on that, but um, just wanted to make that as a point. I think another thing that in terms of the evaluation metrics, um, I had it since there is such a tie to the CARP and greenhouse gas reductions, I'm wondering if there's a way to add in an evaluation metrics that includes some sort of calculation of reductions in greenhouse gas emissions um, when these facilities are put in. I know we're probably not gonna do another greenhouse gas inventory, but at least like maybe there's some back of the envelope calculation that we can do if like X number of miles of bike lanes are put in, you know, that will translate into X number of like cars off the road or something like that. I, I think that will give us some, um, a little bit of a better estimate of like, are we meeting these, those targets? Um, that's a thought there. I think the other thing that I did wanna make <laughs> a mention of is um, I live on the West End. I live near Willie Stargell, currently between Fifth and Main, Fifth Street and Main. It is classified as a class three. Um, I don't know if any of the engineers have been on that road or the planners have been on that road in the bike. Uh, on a bike, um, to me, it does not feel like a class three. Um, it is a stress level of like a 10 um, out of like, <laughs> and it is a very stressful road. And so I'm wondering, um, and I, I, I kind of, I think it's a misnomer now to continue classifying it as a three. Um, it is quite, to me, a, a dangerous road. And I know it's, it's hopefully going to get some shared, um, a shared path. Um, but I think that's kind of far off. Currently, it's 
classified as a class three. So just wanting to revisit that potentially, um, and then to sort of continue on and thinking about class three bike routes. I um, am a little confused and maybe this is because of my limited um, knowledge of sort of like um, transportation engineering, but this concept of a neighborhood greenway, which is a class, I guess, 3B versus a class three, it's a little bit different. I understand that because there's different treatments on that road to sort of uh, reduce uh, volumes and speed of cars. However, my understanding is that it's still, um, um, it still includes Sharrows um, and it's not a separated bike lane. Um, and so I, I think I'm sort of wanting a little bit more understanding of how a neighborhood greenway, even given these treatments, is still is considered low stress. Um, it, it doesn't seem to me that would necess necessitate a, a, a low stress kind of experience. So maybe that's a little bit of education needed or more description needed and sort of like elucidating that. And I think there is a, this plan in terms of the low stress network is heavily reliant on the neighborhood greenway um, concept, the class 3B. So I think that is a little bit, I have questions around this, a little bit perplexing um, because for me that doesn't, again, signal low stress. I, I feel like a low stress network would really be a separated bike lane, uh, would even be a buffered bike lane and, and sort of wanting to think about, or you know, those treatments over uh, a neighborhood greenway in terms of a, a low stress network is something that I have a lot of questions on and maybe um, would want more information about that maybe in the plan as well. So I'll stop there. Um, I wonder I whether Michael from School Design could speak a bit to that. Okay, well, I wasn't sure. I mean, we're happy to respond to that if you'd like. Or we can I was going to yeah. open it up for that specifically for the Greenways discussion, if you'd like to go, or or have Mike, Michael? Do you want to? Sure. Yeah, I'm still here. Back. I'm ha happy to chime in. <laughs> uh, it's a great question, uh, Vice Chair Young. Um, so for neighborhood greenways, really, it, it, it's extremely important that um, they're designed so that speeds, uh, vehicle speeds do not exceed uh, 20 miles per hour, um, and that there certain thresholds are not exceeded in terms of volumes. Um, and the city has, um, or we have recommended to the city uh, that those thresholds are no more than 1500 averaged um, cars uh, per day on, on the greenway. So relatively low, low volumes, uh, which means low interactions with, with vehicles. Um, and the speed is really important uh, because, you know, reduced speed means reduced kinetic energy means uh, less, um, less injury if, if a collision were to happen on that greenway. So uh, those are kind of like the, the, the critical elements of a greenway, whether or not, you know, it feels low stress, um, you know, to, to the user um, is, is an individual um, thing, I suppose.
but generally where cities have implemented these successfully and have put in the appropriate traffic calming measures and put in the appropriate uh, crossing treatments at busy arterials, uh, like I said earlier, that's, that's very important, have had uh, success in terms of attracting all ages and abilities users on those facilities um, successfully. So um, yeah, I would say it's just, it is a proven, a proven treatment that has, has seen success in, in other cities. And I would just add that, you know, this is coming out of um, NACTO guidance. So um, uh, this type of facility, it's often called a bike boulevard. Cities around the country have used them um, nearby, Berkeley, Palo Alto, um, are some examples. Oakland is doing something called a neighborhood bike route, which is also similar. Um, and you were asking about the, the class definition is really confusing. And, you know, really we could probably strike that all from the plan just because it's so confusing, like the whole class, you know, designation, because um, it doesn't follow the stress levels. Um, you know, separated bike lanes are class four, class one are trails, and those are both considered low stress, but, you know, one is a one and one is a four. And, and so, um, the bike routes, though, typically all those mean are that they're routes that, uh, you know, have been sort of, I mean, they've been around for decades. They're routes that, you know, are kind of suggested as good ways to go longer distances because generally they have lower traffic volume, say, and they're, um, you know, might have some uh, ways to get across um, at signalized intersections. But usually they're kind of just, they're put in on a street, but they're not intended to make changes to the street. They're like looking at how the street is today and then putting up signage and sharrows just to match that rather than, you know, that's the only improvement that is, is typically done. And I see Robert <laughs> for one more, one more uh, planner. Go, go ahead, Robert. <laughs> Thank you. Um... I just wanted to make one more point about the neighborhood greenways. I think there's a focus at those intersection improvements. And I think that is maybe one other key with those is that we want to look closely at where those routes cross major streets, which can be a really uncomfortable place for people to, uh, to bike. So you might be able to get part of your way on that route comfortably, but if we don't treat the intersection, then it doesn't really become that connected network that we're trying to build with this plan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Robert and Rochelle. Uh, Commissioner Noctical. You know, I, I have a clarifying question. I have a question that just popped into my head as this description about the neighborhood Greenway uh, was uh, occurring. The 1,500 car trips, I think it was, on the neighborhood Greenways is the threshold. Do you, do you know how many car trips are, uh, for example, on some of the slow streets? Pacific, for instance. Do you know? because those are really well used slow streets that are being treated as neighborhood greenways right now. They're, they're, it's a popular street for bicyclists and for pedestrians. And so what kind of uh, car travel, do you know numbers on that right now? Um, so we have some numbers and for the slow streets evaluation, we did do some counts of all traffic, bike, peds and um, cars. Obviously those, you know, those are at specific locations. 
So um, in terms of implementing neighborhood greenways, um, understanding, um, understanding those numbers and speeds will be very important. And uh, we need to find a way to do that that is, um, you know, comprehensive of the uses that are along the streets. Because, you know, as we all know, block by block, things can change a lot, particularly like if it's next to a school or a business or something like that. Um, but I would say that for many of the counts that we did, it was, um, uh, we did 12 hour counts, not 24 hours. So if you looked at vehicles per day, we definitely, they definitely would have already been under that threshold. Um, so it's possible that, um, you know, some streets are, or some blocks are okay as they are. And, um, and that, you know, nothing additional would be needed on that particular block, but maybe an intersection crossing improvement is needed. So that's where looking at looking at the street and the specifics of the street will be important in implementation. Thank you. Commissioner Colstrand. I have one uh, quick clarifying question. The um, unpaved pedestrian path that's approximately between Broadway and uh, I'm not sure what the other, where it ends. It doesn't go all the way to the, um, the Bay Farm Bridge, but I read in here that it was recommended that it remain unpaved. Can you talk about the, uh, why it was recommended as such? Yes, um, yeah, happy to do that. Um, so that is a, my understanding is that is a kind of more natu natural bird sanctuary. It's a bird sanctuary area and it's kind of has a more natural feel. And uh, we have heard through this plan and through other plans that people enjoy that feel to it. And so um, obviously the trail as it is, is deteriorating and getting worn away by the water. So we would need to, we would want to improve it to maintain it just like any other trail, but the idea we just wanted to be clear that even though it is designated as a trail, it's, the idea is not to pave it. Okay, thanks. Yeah, at one time, I think when I was on the planning commission, I thought it would be great, or planning board, it would be great to pave it. And now I use it all the time. And I have talked to people there that are doing photography of the birds and bird counting birds and that sort of thing. So I, I have kind of changed my position on that. but. Uh, uh, I just wanted the clarification on that, so thank you. All right, um, I'm not seeing a lot more comments. I just had I just had one, uh, Vice Chair, you and kind of touched on this, and um, it's really just kind of submitting it for thought. That between the three the three the slide that you had that showed the three plans, the beginning, um, the Vision Zero and the other ways that this you know, intersects with these plans. I struggled with the evaluation monitoring. I really appreciate the fact that a lot of the prioritization and everything else seemed to be very diligently done and objectively done in prioritization. And that this is um, from what I can see as far as data-driven standards, it really meets that test and really appreciate that. I see less on the back end of some of our projects 
of knowing how they're performing, if they were really impactful, especially the two that I always think about are um, mode shift. And I don't see them divided up this way a lot. I'm interested mostly in mode shift of intra-island versus off-island because that's how our travel demand model was set up is that we don't look at just all trips of single occupancy versus bike. We really, our travel demand model, and this is gonna just, in my personal guesstimate, it's going to just exponentially increase when we start in increasing density in housing. And if we're just looking at trips without acknowledging that you can't get from here to Richmond on a bike, well, I mean, some people can, by all means, go do that. That is, <laughs> not within my personal physical capabilities. Um, but I would like to see that same level of rigor and objectivity come back to say what if what we, the decision, I would rather hear that we didn't do something great and improve it next time than pretend like building it was excellent and then we, our job is done. And um I think that would help parse out some of the commuter versus recreational. I think it would represent those wins that I was talking about for students and people who do have the luxury of living and working on the island. Um, I know that we've talked a lot about post-pandemic of how many people work from home. That's also a subset of the population that is not really representative of some of our most vulnerable populations. And I would hate for that skew to be towards work from home and so everything's good when we have a lot of people who are service workers that really contribute to our workforce on the island as well as our community. And so all that to say that the I would I would like there to be two thoughts put in of intra-island versus on and off the island, normally at peak times to really slice and dice some of that data in whatever ongoing the ongoing the evaluation uh, section chapter of it was kind of short, and I agreed with how the table laid it out, but it really didn't give us any indication of specific metrics or KPIs or something that we'd be looking at as a good thumbnail for the commission to know whether or not something's working. And, um, you know, two, to be able to really gauge as far as prioritization, whether these things really penciled out for the investment over the short and long term. Um, and then I guess if I had to add a third, I'm, and I, I don't want to give a, a detailed comment on this because I really didn't have time to do the, the legwork, but what would be helpful to me is because we have evaluation factors sitting in these different plans and some of it refers to like, we're going to look to vision zero for that. And so understanding where we're measuring what is at the same frequency and we're measuring that same trend across these plans instead of each plan having their own special little thing. I think we're at the point with this plan that we could get some economies, um, at least in staff time, <laughs> for pulling all these projects forward to say, this is kind of our, this is kind of our, when we come back for reports, for example, on the, the annual report, can we be looking at this as a holistic picture of evaluation factors instead of this against vision zero, this against active and such? Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, I don't see any other hands. So I think if that concludes the commissioner's feedback, um, I think I can speak for all of us that we recognize how much work has gone into this. Um, concerned about how much work is going to take to pull 
forward. <laughs> and we've seen so much turnover in really great staff and agencies. And that's where a lot of my concern comes from is just burning people out and making sure that we're well-resourced um, and given the right tools to really be able to pull this kind of ambition forward is really important to me. Um, so if that is, if I don't see any other hands, I'm gonna go ahead and close our um, regular agenda item 6A for the evening and open up, um, we're skipping 6B as was tabled under agenda item two for changes to the agenda. We'll hear that coming back for action on the streets classification after the subcommittee meets in the next few weeks. And so on to agenda item seven, which is announcements and public comments. Do we have any hands? I see, uh, I don't see any from the commissioner, so I'm gonna move on to public comment. Um, I see Jim has his hand raised. Thank you. How many attendees participants were in tonight's Zoom session? Maybe a maximum. Uh, you typically have announced those numbers because when we're on this end, we can't uh, see the, the participant count. Thank you. Uh, yes, I think I can say that it has fluctuated between eight and 29 as far as attendees. Um, I can be corrected with the public record on that, but if you want an approximate estimation right now, uh, that's who I've seen in here. And I don't know about, I don't think Facebook attendees actually count because I can't comment. We don't record or take comments there. Um, we can have the minutes reflect that if, it, if they don't already. Um, so any other public comments? Okay, no one else raising their hand. What was that? I was saying no one was raising their hand at the time. Okay, and I forget we have a phone option. So if I ever skip over that, I do want to offer people that <laughs> that method as well while we're in uh, virtual. Um, I just have one, and it's my annual announcement about Halloween, especially that everyone's super excited because with the relaxing of restrictions from the pandemic, there's going to be, I think, a huge pent-up demand for trick-or-treating, which puts a ton of pedestrians in some of our um, really scary areas at night. And so if you don't have to drive, don't. And if you do, please, please, please watch out. It's one of the most dangerous nights nationally for um, pedestrian collisions. And so be safe out there and um, see your dentist, I guess would be my other <laughs> public announcement. Uh, these kids have earned it. so be really generous this Halloween. They're finally back out there. They deserve full size. Um, and with that, I will make a motion to adjourn. If there are no other um, comments on item seven, I will move on to eight and, and make a motion to adjourn. No seconds? Oh, thank you, Commissioner Colstrand. And raise of hands to say happy Halloween. And thank you. It was lovely seeing you guys. We will see you soon. Take care. Good night. Thank you. Thank Good you. night.